we had almost everything in the world telling us no, because we came in with new idea. There is no similar uh, companies. It's not that we're gonna gonna say, hey, we're gonna be the Uber of that, or we're gonna be, you know, like the equivalent bunch of dudes from Israel with an accent pitching everyone that uh, that's gonna be a billion dollar company. So that was hard. Hi, and welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, brought to you by SaaStock. I'm your host, Alex Thumer, and on this week's episode, I talk with Dan Adika, CEO and co-founder of WalkMe, about how he has raised a whopping $217 million in the past seven years. Dan follows a somewhat familiar path that has bred many excellent Israeli entrepreneurs. He spent six years working for a tech unit of Israeli Defense Forces. He then had a year in HP before realizing that to truly follow his passion for making things, improving them, all the while solving some thorny problems, he had to build his own company. In 2011, Dan did just that. Together with his co-founders, Ayel Cohen and Raphael Swery, they started WalkMe. In February 2012, the three raised their first round of funding. That wasn't coming from friends and family. There were no customers at the time, but there was a dream, a bold one, allow people to walk the digital world the way they did the physical one. That bold dream would not always be enough to convince funders, but for those times, Dan and his co-founders learned the art of metrics, benchmarks, and the data that matters. They've gone through six funding rounds, which have all been very different. How have they done it each time? That's the topic of our conversation today. Listen on to hear what are the key things to understand as a founder if you want to go on the funding path. One, we really understood the SaaS metrics. That took us some time. Two, we understood the benchmark. So, you know, when VC is looking, they're looking at like probably hundreds of deals. And I think they want to see two things. One, they want to see that you're a healthy business and the unit economy works. You're not buying revenue. Two, you have a a great vision and a big total available market. How they managed to raise their most pivotal Series C round when everyone was saying no to them. With the other VCs, we really needed the money. So we went to VCs. And you know how it is, it's like in the in, in the, all the series that, that, that you see Silicon Valley, right? When you don't care about them, they want you more. So we wanted it. So we were like trying to get meetings with VCs and so on. Uh, with scale, they, they met us accidentally at the Dreamforce on the floor and we saw the technology and we had few customers that were their portfolio companies that really recommended WalkMe. And they told them, hey, we're using WalkMe and we love it. So we had this meeting with them I think Rory is a brilliant guy, and, and same as Susan. They, I showed them the vision, I showed them what it could be, um, and they got a good deal. The art of showing the right data to investors. The big issue is to understand how to cancel the noise from the number. Why? Because when you're a small company, you're doing tons of investments. That makes the number doesn't look good. Like you look at your sales and marketing expense uh, divided by the new ARR that you produce in a quarter, and doesn't look good. But you just hired 20 more reps or you just did a big conference that skewed the numbers. So you always needed to know how to purify those numbers to look at the real unit economy and make sure you make sense of it. So I think what VCs want to see at the beginning, you're losing money, right? In the beginning, you're, you're doing tons of investment. So I think if you can show them that investment 
will be very profitable in the future and your unit economy is working really well. That's what they want to see at the beginning. Dan Adika will be joining us at SaaS.West West Coast on September the 11th, where he'll be sharing how he's grown WalkMe to 800 employees and north of 100 million in ARR, and the mistakes he's made when it comes to hiring and culture. He'll be joined by a roster of spectacular speakers, such as Dan Martell, Nathan Latka, Leela Srinivasan, and Sarah Kagarg, that will be providing actionable lessons for growth stage SaaS companies on how to scale your business. You can see a full list of speakers and what you can expect from them and learn that on our blog. We'll also link to the post on the show notes. Uh, we have very few tickets remaining for SaaS.West Coast and, and not long now to the event. So uh, be sure to grab yours if it sounds like the right event for you. Go to sasdoc.com forward slash West Coast. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show. Dan Adika founder and CEO of WalkMe. Welcome, Dan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, great to have you on the uh, the podcast before you uh, indeed head off to uh, to Burning Man, as you mentioned. Um, you excited for that? As, as excited to be on the podcast as you are for Burning Man? Yeah. So podcast, then Burning Man, then, okay. then WalkMe. This is pretty cool. We need. Uh, I'm going to get this as a testimonial and, and put it out on social if you don't mind. <laughs> Dan, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is uh, who is Dan Adika? So originally from Israel, born in Jerusalem, been six years in the IDF in the intelligence force. Uh, was mainly focused on uh, computers, uh, programming, and stuff like that. Um, after six years there. Worked uh, less than a year in HP software in Israel and founded WalkMe uh, back in 2011. Uh, I would say that uh, since then, WalkMe has been uh, the biggest part of my life. So that's a, that's a big thing. It's like a, a baby that grows up and uh, now is a teenager. So about me in general, uh, I really like to get things done. I like to create stuff. Um, I like to make things uh, better uh, in general. Like everything I see, I, I try to fix and stuff like that. So I think that's what really had drawn me to the entrepreneurial world to actually, you know, build stuff. We saw a problem and we wanted to fix it. What was the problem you're solving with uh, WalkMe? Um, that will need another podcast just for that. But on a very like one line, um, you, using the digital world is hard. It's not like the physical world. In the physical world, if I want to get from point A to point B, I just open my phone, I put an address, and I get there. But there is no way I would go to a website application that I never saw before, and I would be able to do something there, unless it's something super simple like checkout. But there is no way I can go to Bank of America and change my uh, my profile uh, billing address right without starting to figure out what to do. So what we are solving, we're, we're solving this entire experience uh, internally and externally for companies. Um, and like the name, Walk Me, we walk people through um, those challenges. But on top of it, there is how uh, the company is big. There is automation aspects and data aspects and a lot of things. But when we started, it was one, uh, my co-founder mom, uh, the driving nuts. How do I do this? And like, hey, mom, you see the button on the left? Click on it. And this is where they they come with the idea. And then I remember they they, they pitch it to me, and I'm like, that's genius. Like, 
every website needs it. So this is how we started. Did you found the company in Israel and then scale it and move into the US? Yes. So we started in Israel and we got our first funding uh, that is not friends and family um, in February 2012 uh, from Mangrove Capital. It was in the day $1 million. We were excited. It was a lot of money. Um, and then by the end of that year, beginning of 13, I already started my move to, to the U.S. I didn't officially move, but I started to visit San Francisco quite often. And then towards that end of the year, I moved completely to San Francisco. You got your first funding round in 2012. So that was uh, that was seed funding? Yeah, we called it A back in the day. So if you look at Crunchbase, you will see that that was our A round. But yes, that was basically our seed funding. We were four people, no customers, and, and we got the first million. And since then, uh, well, you, you've now in total raised two hundred and seventeen million in over six rounds, right? Uh, what, what what round are you in at, at the moment? Is it is that D F? Yeah, so that's the million was A. Uh, then we raised another five point five. We called it B, and then eleven twenty five, and then the rest. Um, so I would say um, six rounds with VCs, including what we call the the seed. Uh, got us to 217. Um, when the majority of the money we raised in the, I would say, past two years, uh, the beginning, we didn't raise a lot of money. It took us time. Uh, so when we started to work with uh, VCs that are more growth ventures and in private equity, this is where we got the, the major funds. Let's go through, if you don't mind, some some of these rounds. Like I don't know if we'll in thirty minutes be be able to do uh, all, all six rounds, but just kind of try and identify some of the the key metrics that that you had that enabled you to uh, raise those rounds, uh, secure those rounds, and some lessons that you had, like you you, you know uh, from I guess some of the maybe rejections, but also uh, obviously the VCs that invested in you. Um, you, you know, why did they do it? Was it just simply because of the metrics, the team? You know, let, 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 let's kind of un, un, unpack that uh, a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's that's super important question because the, the different rounds is, are completely different. Like you, you need to, you show something completely different. I would say the first three rounds was 50 times harder than the rest. So the first $15 million that we raised was it took us much more time and it was so hard to do than, than after because after we had the metrics and it was easy. Uh, at the beginning, you sell the dream. So we raised one and then 5.5 and then 11. So the first two rounds, the one and 5.5, was completely no KPIs, no metrics, nothing. We were just starting. Uh, we sold the dream. Um, our business model was completely different. It's actually funny to look at it now. We thought one thing, something completely different happened. But I think those VCs really believed in the technology and what we're bringing. And we were able to convince them to believe us. One, one VC was European, one VC was Israeli. And that was the first two rounds. And then we started to sell. We had traction. And when we hit the 1 million ARR, I think... A round and B round VCs started to look at us. This is where we did our first US round uh, with Scale Venture Partners in end of 2013. Um, and they, they led an $11 million round. That's what really allowed us to, to take off 
and build a real sales team and start getting it going. Um, since then, it's all about the SaaS metrics, all about your growth, your churn, how the unit economy works, um, how you expand your, your customers and so on. So we had really good metrics. The company grew pretty fast. So technically, we started selling in 2013. Uh, I would say even mid-2013, we did our first 1 million in ARR. Uh, five and a half years later, we passed the 100 million. So that was really quick. So I think at the beginning, uh, we didn't really know what to show. It's, it's, I think now there is with Saster and and the type of those podcasts that people are actually looking at and, and what you're doing, which is great when you're bringing, there is much more data. Back then, we didn't know what does it mean, what we should, what is magic number, what is efficiency and so on. We just looked at other companies in order to grow. So I think that once we figure out how to fine tune our business and where, where we need to invest, what's good, what's bad, it was really easy for us to go to VCs and show that we're a really good company. So one, we really understood the SaaS metrics that took us some time. Two, we understood the benchmark. So you know when VC is looking, they're looking at like probably hundreds of deals. Uh, and I think they want to see two things. One, they want to see that you're a healthy business and the unit economy works. You're not buying revenue. Two, you have a, a great vision and a big total available market. So I think we did it pretty good. And then since then, uh, we raised uh, $25 million, and then we did like 50 and then 100 and so on. I think that was already much easier for us i think in that point it wasn't about if we can get the money or not it's more about what's the right valuation and if at the beginning we just wanted the money now we started to optimize on terms we started to optimize who will be our board members we had the the, the luxury to select who's gonna come in and who's helping us and so on so i would say that again every funding round is 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 work, especially for, for the management team. And I think that, again, for us, and I think a lot of companies, every time you had a chance to take money, take money. Uh, you never know when it will hit you. Um, and make sure you really understand the, the, the metrics and really understand the SaaS metrics uh, in order to get you to the right spot. Loads of in interesting points there, and um, uh, to pick up on, and, and you, you know, uh, rocket uh, rocket fueled sort of growth from uh, you know five million to um, you, you know a hundred million in uh, in a very short space of time, in, or in five years. Um, uh, so that's super impressive. Um, you know, con congrats on on that. Now, with the you mentioned like at the beginning about obviously that those kind of first couple of rounds were so much harder than it, you you know the most recent sort of rounds. Like how long? would it take or did it take you to raise your your series a uh and then like your series b and then in the recent rounds like how, how long does this take you so a took us a lot of time uh, we even got to a point that we couldn't raise and then friends and family gave us a few hundred thousand just to keep us afloat um, until we actually uh, got the one million um, then after we had one VC in, the 5.5 wasn't that hard because we had money, we had like the buzz around it. 
But then to raise the, the, the 11 million from the US, we had almost everything in the world telling us no, because we came in with new idea. There is no similar companies. It's not that we're going to say, hey, we're going to be the Uber of that, or we're going to be, you know, like the equivalent bunch of dudes from Israel with an accent uh, pitching everyone that uh, that's going to be a billion dollar company. So that was hard. People uh, liked the idea, but they didn't were convinced that we will be able to execute. Maybe some people didn't like the idea. So to be honest, I think we had rough time before we got the 11 million. Uh, it was hard because... That was Scale Venture Partners, right? Yeah, that yeah. was Scale that, that believed in us. Um, I met Susan and then Rory uh, back then, and, and they really connected to, to the idea. But um, I think that we internally saw how good it's going. We saw the conversation we have with customers. We didn't have the numbers yet to explode, but we know that we were there. So we invested, right? We got more salespeople. We developed the product. So we burned money while people are not investing. So that was like a bit of a paradox. And, and, and I think that that, that that was, I think, the roughest time that we had. After we got Scale Venture in, everything connected. We had the money and all the investment we did uh, were, were good. Um, and, and I'm glad we did it. I think we went like we have a saying uh, internally uh, because every every founder has like these ups and downs. You think that like everything gonna fall apart. If we believe that we're doing the right thing and we're doing the, the, the right stuff, if we feel good about what we're doing, we will keep doing it. Sometimes you feel that something is wrong um, or you're not doing your best. But when you're doing your best, just do it. That that. That's and, and everything will uh, work or not. Like we could have failed, and that's fine too. But at the end of the day, I think that it's good that we made those investments, and then after we got the 11 million from scale, um, things much got th- things got much easier uh, in that regard. Why do you think every VC said no, uh, but scale said yes? What was it specifically they they saw in you guys? Was it a connection? They uh, they they saw that you you know whilst this is a new product that you you know this could be you know you're creating a category this could be a huge market what was it that Rory and and, and Susan saw? Yeah, so I think it's interesting. I think that with the other VCs we really needed the money, so we went to VCs and you know how it is. It's like in the in in all the older series that 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 you see Silicon Valley, right? When you don't care about them, they want you more. Um, so we wanted it. So we were like trying to get meetings with VCs and so on. Uh, with scale, they, they met us accidentally at the Dreamforce on the floor and they saw the technology and we had few customers that were their portfolio companies that really recommended WalkMe and they told them, hey, we're using WalkMe and we love it. So we had this meeting with them. I think Rory is a brilliant guy and, and same as Susan. They, I showed them the vision. I showed them what it could be um, and they got a good deal. <laughs> we needed the money. The valuation wasn't that high. I think it's all aligned. And and we started to get the traction. Like we had a good quarter when they came in. We it started to pick up. We did like I think 100% more than expected. Still small number uh, back then, but um, it started to pick up. And I think they saw it. We had good chemistry. They they, they really they really liked it, and uh, they took the chance at the end of the day. 
there's a, a an added bonus from exhibiting at conferences uh, that that you found in in getting investments or yeah. getting in front of investors. So it pays to pays to exhibit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when we went, when we started to go to Dreamforce and Oracle World and all those shows, wow, that opened a new world for us. Like at the end of the day, we thought that it's all online marketing game. We will drive traffic to our website, get prospects, and so on. Now, being, seeing the people, talking with the people in trade shows, that's key. Like, we're sponsoring so many. Today, I think over 80 a year, we're going. Even Sastock. Even Sastock. We're one of the 80. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we can open up a whole new world like Dreamforce did for yep. you. I, I really yeah. wish you a lot of good luck, but I think it's great what you're doing. No, no, we're, we're great that uh, that Walkme is partnering with us, and um, uh, and also you, you'll be speaking at uh, Sastock West Coast. We will we'll speak about that at the uh, uh, at the end. So in in, in the early days, uh, or, or is that true? Like the early days, the, the sales, the revenue was more important in in the the kind of uh, more sort of recent times and more recent rounds, retention, customer success. Uh, these are the more you know important metrics that the, the the VCs are looking at. How are you keeping track of kind of all these metrics, and how are you presenting them to the VCs when they're coming in? Have you got some data room tracking everything, dashboards? Uh, like, how are you kind of pulling this all together, and and when it's under scrutiny? So today we're a completely different scale. Everything is automated in one click. I'm creating the board deck. We're using Tableau. We're using like we're like company that position itself to go public. So that's, that's a whole different game. Back in the day, uh, we used Excel mainly, but um, I think that the most important thing for us was we had the numbers that we want to track, right? And we always looked at them. And I think I wrote even a piece on that. The, the, the big issue is to understand how to cancel the noise from the number. Why? Because when you're a small company, you're doing tons of investments that makes the number doesn't look good. Like you look at your sales and marketing expense uh, divided by the new ARR that you produced in a quarter and doesn't look good. But you just hired 20 more reps or you just did a big conference that skewed the numbers. So you always needed to know how to purify those numbers to look at the real unit economy. And make sure you make sense of it. So I think what VCs want to see at the beginning, you're losing money, right? In the beginning, you're, you're doing tons of investment. So I think if you can show them that investment will be very profitable in the future and your unit economy is working really well, that's what they want to see at the beginning. They don't care about you losing money. The opposite. The VCs always pushed us to spend more money. And acquire more customers and expand with more customers and and i think that if you're doing it good right then then you're a hot company and people want to invest in you another thing is market is changing right the beginning right you look at company like box that that burned so much money and then grew and that was the model like just growing any cost and now it's changed now companies that go public and they're losing money and they don't have a way for profitability, their stock's going down. Look at the Uber, the Lyft, right? Now we work, everybody does tons of scrutiny there uh, because they're burning money. So 
companies change and I think every every year we're looking at the standards and that's what I said at the beginning. We're always looking at the benchmarks to see to see what we're what we're doing. At the end of the day, uh, most of the companies, us included, without VC money, would not be in exist or would uh, adopt a different business model. And the business model meaning I'm not growing 100, 150% every year. I'm growing 30% at the beginning and I'm becoming cash flow positive and I'm sustaining my own business. So I think you always like, you need to see, do you have money or not? And based on that, plan your growth. You said earlier that, you know, if, if the money's available, that you should always take it. I mean, do you ever think, uh, and, and do, you know, do you think that you could, you know, build the same, all right, $100 million walk me uh, if you bootstrapped? Depends. I think that in nowadays, no, I think competition would have killed us, right? Like, I think one of our biggest strengths is that we're the biggest. We're, we're the first, and we had, we took advantage of every little uh, thing that we could, that because we were the first, we have the, the best technology, we're the biggest, and so on. I think that if we would have stayed small, everything could have happened. I think that something that I'm sometimes thinking with me is like, would the outcome for me would be the same at the end of the day because you're having a bigger share on a smaller valuation or a smaller share on a, high, a biggest valuation. And I think that at the end of the day, uh, me and my, and my co-founder, we really want WalkMe to be a household brand. We want every company to use it. So in certain point of time, the exit, the money, was not an issue for us. It's not what we were focusing on. It was just let's grow, 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 grow the business. And we really believe that WalkMe can be a $10 billion company uh, in a few years. So in, this is why I'm saying, so maybe I will rephrase, take the money wherever you can if you really want to build a huge company. If you just want to maximize your value, then do your math and see what, what makes sense. But for us, really, every time, we had a chance to take money and reinvest it in the business. We did it. What about the value that the VCs and people like Rory O'Driscoll have added to you? Again, like uh, I guess you, you said there, there was a time where it was quite difficult for you to to, to raise and like potentially. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. Like you know, when you're raising the Series B, I mean, you've got a great investor like Scale venture partners, but maybe you didn't have that many kind of options. So you're like, well, I'll just take the 11 million and, uh, you know, they scale. Obviously, they've got a, a great track record. Do you look for investors that are really going to add value like beyond the money? And how will they do that? Um, and how, how, how have they helped you, the ones that you've got? So I won't lie to you. When we got the money from scale, I had no idea who scale is. Like, I have no idea. Like, for me, it was like it was my first year in the U.S., I met some cool Irish guy named Rory, and let's do it. So I think that, again, really depends on the size. Scale scale is great. I, I really recommend it to every entrepreneur. They're like, Rory is so helpful. Still is a, one of the key board members. Um, when we got Insight Partners in, that's a different scale. Insights has hundreds of people working for us, and Jeff Horing as the uh, one of their managing partners, they're helping us so much. Um, and they have the resources. That's something that the small VCs or the smaller VCs, I would say, like scale doesn't have it. Um, a giant like Insight Venture Partners and Jeff, 
that's that's absolutely blew our minds. They're like helping so much if it's in meetings, helping us create pipelines, helping us with benchmarks, helping us with hiring. Seriously, today we feel them like we owe them so much, um, and that was such a good decision for for us to to make. And they were participating in every round since their first round that they had, they like um, doubling down on Walk Me. So I think that it's very, very important to choose someone that will really help you um, and really believe in the vision. I think that every time we had an issue, um, the board pushed us forward. The board said, okay, don't worry about this. We, we got your back. We believe in what we're doing. Let's try to, to raise the bar. Let's try to raise the bar. And it wasn't always like that with us. At the beginning, it was much more difficult. You'll be joining us at Sastock West Coast uh, on September the 11th. And I, I think, in fact, you've got the, uh, the, the opening keynote there. Um, so looking forward to meeting it in person. Hopefully you've recovered from Burning Man uh, uh, by then, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. And, uh, but what can we uh, expect to hear from you um, and learn from you at Sastock West Coast? Yeah, so I think something that I wish that I had, I had partially because I'm, I'm always looking to talk with other founders that are more uh, two or three steps ahead of Walk Me. I think that I didn't anticipate some of the issues uh, that we have. And what I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about the entire journey from, from zero to 100 and what we focused on. I would tell you that our number one issue is recruiting in HR. This is something that I didn't even anticipate. It was always like how we get more markets, how we get product market fit, how we get that. Now, now we're 800 people. That's huge. I don't know all the employees. I used to close stuff next to the kitchen on over a coffee. We could have a roadmap for the next three months. Now, how you communicate it to the entire employees, this, those challenges, I wasn't even aware. Um, and I wish that we would invest more in, in culture and HR. Uh, we thought it's something that will just grow organically, but it grew organically only next to the founders. But suddenly you have more and more and more offices. We have like I think tens locations today and so on. So I think I'm gonna take uh, the, the the audience through the journey, um, how we grew, and what we focus on each one of the stages or on what we didn't. Right? I think something that founders not talking about is what they didn't do. Usually it's like I can tell you rep- retro perspective why everything I did was amazing, <laughs> but it's not. Right? Yeah. At the end of the day, we could have done it much much better uh, if I would redo it. Awesome. Well, uh, that sounds super exciting, and I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing that uh, and uh, at Sastock West Coast on September the 11th in uh, San Francisco. And and final question: We always ask our guests how they stay healthy and sane uh, on their journey. So, like, how how have you managed to to stay healthy and sane as you scaled Walk Me to a 100 million dollar company with 800 employees? So, one is my co-founder Rafi. He's amazing. We're leaning on each other every time. You know, you have the ups and downs. We pick up each other. That's uh, That was amazing journey. And I think I wouldn't be able to stay sane <laughs> without him. The second piece, I think that I'm not a stressful person. Like, you never see me getting that stressed. And at the end of the day is business. Um, I really like what we're doing. I want it to be the, the best thing in the world. But I always have my worst case mechanism worst case it won't work so i think once you are accepting that 
you're you're not being uh, super stressed and uh, i think we're doing good i think we're having uh, everything we're doing is with good intention and um, and then it is what it is you know the world is the world but uh, yeah there is stressful time for sure and you need good co-founders to help you Awesome, awesome. Well, well, thanks for that, Dan, and and for being a guest on the podcast today and sharing those lessons. And uh, like I said, looking forward to hearing the uh, the, the whole kind of journey uh, at Sasfot West Coast um, on on September the eleventh. So, uh, wish you or, or, or say thanks for, for being a, a guest on the show, and wish you a great time uh, uh, this uh, this weekend when you join up in uh, in Burning Man and see you in see you in San Francisco. Thank you, and thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the SaaS Revolution Show and you picked up valuable lessons from Dan. As a reminder, you can see him next week at SaaS.West Coast in San Francisco. Go to sasdoc.com forward slash West Coast to grab uh, any final tickets. Thanks for listening and see you next time.